Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. The end times are very important to God because the end times represent a transition, a transition from this world into the kingdom of God. And everyone who is kingdom-minded, they're going to be someone that's interested in what the Word of God has to say about these changes in the last day. Well, we're going to begin a new study, a study of Paul's epistle, his second epistle to those in Thessaloniki. And we're going to see as we study just these three chapters that there's an emphasis in the last days. We're going to see many important biblical truths prophetically about what's going to happen and how we should learn these things in order that we can be found faithful. So are you interested in being faithful? Are you wanting God to teach you concerning what will be so you can position yourself in a location and doing the things that bring honor and glory to His name? So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Thessalonians and chapter 1. The epistle, second epistle to the Thessalonians in chapter 1 and verse 1. It says here, Paul, he's the primary author, but we also see another man. In Greek, his name is Siluanos. And then someone that we know well, a man by the name of Timothy, a type of spiritual son for Paul. So these three individuals, they are behind this epistle to those in Thessaloniki in order that Paul ministers to this group of people. Why? We're going to see that they're suffering greatly. This is a congregation that's going through intense persecution, and therefore they are confused about some things. And Paul wants to, and we'll see this undeniably, Paul wants to reaffirm what he shared, that what he taught them was indeed truth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and is profitable so that the man of God, the woman of God, would be complete for every good work. We know that in the last days, things are not going to get better, but they are going to get very dark and difficult. But that's okay, because God will give us the power to behave faithfully, to live righteously, and in the midst of these dark times, we know something. Light shines brightest in the midst of darkness. So we can have a powerful testimony. We can show people the truth by living the truth, but that's only going to be the reality for your life and my life if we are spiritually discipled in what's going to be. So we read here these three men, Paul, Silunas, and Timothy. It says to the, the congregation, that is the word church. The word church means those who are called out 
to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father. Now, there's going to be an emphasis on not just God, but God as our Father. And why is that? Well, two things are seen here with this concept of Father. One is, He is our authority. Secondly, God, He is our provider. And what Paul is going to do is to teach us some biblical principles in order that we can receive His provision, those things that we need, for what purpose? That we can have a godly testimony. That we can do the work that God wants us to do in the midst of these last days. For believers, the last days is a great opportunity to demonstrate a powerful testimony, to bear evidence that we love Him. So we look here, these three men to this congregation of the Thessalonians, in God, in a covenantal relationship with Him, in God, our Father and Lord Messiah Yeshua. Now, we're going to see in this first chapter that when Paul mentions God, our Heavenly Father, we see that he also speaks about the Lordship of Messiah. Why is that important? Well, I mentioned that this term Father speaks of authority. And how do we recognize God's authority over our life? The answer is simple. We submit to the Lordship of Messiah. How do we do that in a practical sense? We study the teachings of Messiah and His apostles and we apply them to our life. And it's as we begin to submit to His purposes that we'll find His provision. If we're not committed to the things of God, the will of God, the purposes of God, we ought not expect that God is going to provide for us. He provides so that His will is done. Move on to verse 2. As Paul says in most of his epistles, he says, Grace to you and peace. Grace positions us in God's will. Peace is always the fulfillment of God's will in our life. We won't know peace. We're not going to have that stability. We're not going to be individuals that are in the midst of God's will unless we're led by grace because grace, it just doesn't save us. It does that. But grace also works in our life in order to bring us into God's will. So even though he's speaking to this group of individuals, the, the Thessalonians, we can understand it as having relevance for us. Why? If you are someone who wants to be moved by God's grace into His will in order to fulfill His purposes. So once again, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Messiah Yeshua. Verse, verse 3. Now, Paul is going to speak very personally to this group of people this congregation at Thessaloniki. And he says, we ought to always give thanks to God concerning you. Now, the question that we should ask ourselves is this. What specifically is Paul seeing in this congregation that is causing him, when he says we ought to, it means that there's a requirement. They are doing something in order that Paul says, I want to recognize them, and I want to give thanks to God because of them. Once more, we ought to always give thanks to God concerning you, brethren, 
just as it is worthy. This is a word of that which is appropriate. So it's appropriate for Paul to praise God in behalf of these individuals. Why? This is what we should want to experience in our life. He says in the middle of verse 3, because your faith increases and your love abounds. We see a principle here. When we grow in faith, that faithfulness is going to manifest itself with what? An abundant love. So simple to understand what he's saying here. So he's praising God because these individuals, their faith is increasing and they are exemplifying that through what we can say a Torah obedience. Now, the Torah is still relevant for our life. We're not under the law, but the law is going to give us insight. We are going to see that the Word and the Spirit works together. And when I say Word, I mean all of the Scripture. And the commandments of God teach us something. See, this is the problem. Many people don't know one of the primary purposes of the law. The law shows us God's expectations for us. That is how we should live specifically how we should love. Now, what does love and the law have to do? Well, let me give you one example. When, when Yeshua, that is Jesus Christ, when he was asked about the law, the greatest, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says the second commandment, and he's talking about importance, is to love your neighbor as yourself. There's a unity. There's a connection between those two commandments. What is it? We display our love for God by loving our neighbor. So love is the characteristic of the Torah. Paul says the same thing in, the, in Galatians. He says all the law of God in one, one statement, one sentence. What's that? Love your neighbor as yourself. So as they're growing in faith, what type of faith? Faith in Messiah Yeshua. As they are growing in their faith in Him, it expresses itself through a love. And what does he say? That your love abounds. Each one of all of you, so there's no exceptions, you grow in faith, each one is going to grow in loving. That love is going to be abundance for one another. Loving one another is what the Torah leads us, calls us, instructs us to do. Verse 4. So that we ourselves boast in you, meaning we boast about you, among the congregations of God in behalf of, and here's what we see that's so important. I mentioned that twice Paul says we want to give thanks to this congregation, and now he says it is incumbent upon us to, to do something, to give thanks and also to pray for this congregation. We are making known, boasting about this congregation among the other congregations of God. Why? What is unique about this congregation? And here it is. We look in the middle of verse 4 where it says, in behalf of your perseverance. This can also be understood with the word endurance. They are persevering and they are enduring things. In other words, and we'll see this in no uncertainty, they are suffering for their faith. 
why. Whole verse. It says, We ourselves boast of you in the congregations of God in behalf of your endurance, your perseverance, and faith, faithfulness in all your persecutions and the tribulations which you bear. Now, this verse is foundational. It gives us the understanding, the context that we need to understand one of the primary reasons why Paul is writing to those in Thessaloniki. Because they're going through a very difficult time. We know what it is. They are being persecuted so significant. This just not being persecuted, but the word there is your persecutions. They are enduring more and more and more. And he also uses a word, and that is the word thalipsis. And it's in the plurals where it talks about abundant tribulation. Now, not too long ago, I was speaking and I was teaching and used this passage from Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, where it says, it is necessary to, to go through much tribulation in order to enter into the kingdom of God. What does that verse teach us? In the last days, there's going to be some very difficult times. For who? First, for believers. Long before the world suffers, we're going to see that there's going to be a time of persecution. And God's going to use that to grow and mature the church to purify the church. We could say to separate those, those goats and the sheeps, that there is a, a true, a committed, that the bride of Messiah, that we will, will get ready, that we will not be living shamefully, but we will have garments, garments of righteousness. Why? Because righteousness, when we live righteously, we will be manifesting the glory of God. And that's what a God-pleasing testimony is all about. So this congregation, look again at our text in, in verse 4 at the end. We talk about abundant persecutions and also going through, bearing through these multiple tribulations. And all of this, look now to verse 5. He says all of this, and he uses a Greek word that speaks of evidence. It is something that confirms something. So he says, all of this, what you're going through, is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. And what is this righteous judgment? He says, in this passage, for you have been counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So it's us suffering for our faith that demonstrates it's not earning. It's demonstrating that we are worthy, that we are kingdom people, that we don't belong to this world. Here's what he's saying. Those who belong to this world, they hate the kingdom of God. Now, we know Messiah taught this. They hate the kingdom, and they also hate the king. And that's why Messiah says, they, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're going to, to move against you. And this is what this congregation is experiencing. And they have a question. Now, they know, and we're going to see this in chapter 2, 
they know about this this wonderful this blessed hope this promise that we're not going to endure the wrath of god but they're going through such intense persecution they're going through abundant tribulation they're doubtful they're confused and they're questioning whether something is wrong that that they were left that they didn't experience that blessed hope that maybe their faith was was inadequate that they didn't believe the truth that there was a problem with that gospel that that they received and they are in a position of of doubting because of what they're enduring and paul's going to clarify that he says no there's nothing wrong with that gospel that we shared there's nothing different in regard to what i shared with you you can be straight and and confirmed in your own mind that what i taught you was indeed the truth he says this is only giving evidence that you have been counted worthy of the kingdom of god in behalf of which also notice the last part also you suffer now here's the biblical truth when we accept the gospel into our life we ought to acknowledge that that is a call of suffering that's why messiah says take up your cross and follow me and what's interesting to note is this this word word says speaking about the kingdom of god it says on account of which or in behalf of which you suffer that word for suffer is the same word where we get the phrase the passover lamb in in greek so in the same way that messiah suffered for the purposes of god we who belong to his kingdom we who submit to that king of kings and lord of lords we're called to be like him we're called to demonstrate his life in our life the scripture says our lives are hidden in him that's why he calls the church the body of christ because we are going to walk and experience the same things that he did that hatred that persecution and it's not surprising it's because of that that kingdom commitment he says here that you suffer look now to verse verse 6 indeed it's righteous and speaking about God behaving righteously as he always does indeed it's righteous from God to pay back that means to 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 pay out and pay out what pay out to those who are are causing you tribulation to pay to them also what also tribulation so God is going to set things in order those who are persecuting believers God is going to move we can expect we can be assured that one day God is going to do something we're going to see this in a moment that that Messiah is going to pour out his judgment his punishment upon them for persecuting believers and he goes on and says when he's going to do that look now to verse 7 and to you the ones who are are experiencing this tribulation those who are are being afflicted what can we expect a wonderful word this word rest now understand there are certain words in the bible that relate to the kingdom whenever they appear we should think of kingdom and one such word is the one that i just mentioned 
this word rest. Rest is a kingdom word. It speaks about what we can experience and what we will experience and what we should be expecting when we enter into the kingdom that we're going to have rest. Now, one of the problems is that sometimes we hear a word and of course we know that word according to our language and maybe not understanding the biblical significance or one aspect of the biblical definition of that word. See, we think of rest and that is just uh, relaxing, perhaps sleeping. It's a time of recovery. All that's true. But understand that this word rest speaks about also resting in the right place, being in the right location. And that right location for us ultimately, we're not going to know that rest until we're in the kingdom of God, that kingdom rest. And that kingdom rest is, is brought about because we are in the very presence of God. That's where we belong. That is our home. And ultimately, it's not that we're going to God, but, but ultimately God is going to dwell with us. I mean, think of this. A holy, a righteous, a purchased God, perfect God is going to dwell with us. And how is he going to do that? Because he has redeemed us. Look again. He says, And to you, the ones who have been afflicted, he says, rest with us. Now, he's going to talk about when that rest will be in the fullest sense. Now, we know that there's that blessed hope, but here in chapter 1, and you need to hear this very carefully, in chapter 1, there's an emphasis on Messiah coming, we've already talked about God's righteous judgment. And His righteous judgment is going to be manifested through, through His wrath. So this foreshadows what He's talking about. This is this. God is going to demonstrate that we are His kingdom people, that we belong to a covenant with Him. And He is going to, we just saw that, He is going to pay out he is going to, to recompense, that is. He is going to set things straight. And those who have been persecuting, afflicting, bringing tribulation upon us, God is going to judge that. How is he going to do that? Through his wrath. And this is what's being emphasized in chapter 1. When we get into chapter 2, we're going to see that he speaks about something related but somewhat different. So he talks about how we're going to be experiencing rest. And he says, you, those in, in, in Thessaloniki, he says, you are going to experience rest with us. We're going to have that same experience when? In the revealing of the Lord Yeshua from heaven with his angels. And it says here, with his angels in his power. Now, God is going to do something. Right now, many people, they don't know God. They don't know the authority of God. And they have never seen the power of God in action. Now, one way we see it and get a foretaste is that, that we look at His creation. But God is going to manifest His power when He begins to pour out His judgment in the last days his wrath and this is what verse 7 is speaking about look again where he says in the revealing of the Lord Yeshua from heaven 
with his angels, and it says his power. How do we know that we're talking about God's, God's judgment? How do we know that we're talking about the events after the rapture? Because we're given a very clear indication of this in verse 8 where it says, In flames of fire and giving vengeance to those that do not know God and the ones who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Messiah Yeshua. So we read, this is God's wrath. It is poured out, as the prophet says, in regard to the events of the last days, speaking of his wrath, and ultimately that wrath will conclude with the second coming. So the blessed hope, that is the rapture, happens before the wrath of God. We are removed. Why? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the last chapter of that previous epistle, he says in verse 9 that he has not appointed you, that means believers, those who have received the gospel. He has not appointed us to receive wrath but to obtain salvation. Now, that verse is important because he's not talking about being saved. He's speaking to people who have already been saved. See, we need to understand that salvation can be speaking of, in the scripture, having your sins forgiveness, forgiven, being invited into the kingdom of God, having that reconciled relationship with God reconciled, but it also speaks about another aspect of salvation, and that's that victory, experiencing the outcome of being saved, that, that eternal victory that we're going to have in Messiah Yeshua. And here, that victory in the fullness is not going to be known until after God's wrath. Why? God's wrath will move in order to put things into his kingdom order. So the rapture happens. We are with him. The scripture says we'll forever be with him. And we're going to be enjoying that intimacy during the time that God's wrath, his judgment is poured out upon the world. But ultimately, we're not going to know that kingdom experience and the blessings of that kingdom until when? Until after God's wrath. This is what he's speaking of here in verse 8 when he talks about those that are going to receive the flames of fire and they're going to experience because God's going to give vengeance to those who do not know him, that do not know God and the gospel they have have not obeyed and because they have rejected the gospel they are going to be recipients of god's eternal wrath so as we conclude this this first lesson in chapter one of second thessalonians we see that there's an emphasis in chapter one on god's god's judgment messiah coming back the second time and pouring out the wrath of god in order that through the wrath of God, his judgment, that what happens? That, that things are set in order. So that we can experience the promises of God. That we can know the goodness of God. And let me conclude by saying just a few words, and that is, it's time to get ready. It's time to get serious about your faith. Understand what the prophets teach and apply it to our life. Well, until next week, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.